Hey, guys, make sure you check out the podcast, The Root of All Success, with the real Jason Duncan interviewing me, Jason Waller. Bam! We got the BAM Coach in the BAM podcast and the story of what happened with the Generac fraud. Check it out. Welcome to The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Hey there, I am the real Jason Duncan. Welcome back to another show. And boy, do I have something for you today. Holy cow. I uh, just finished the conversation. I always record the uh, the intro after I talk to the, talk to the person because I want the intro to, to refer to what we're going to say. And I've got Jason Waller on the show today. Um, he was the founder of Power Home Solar, which was then turned into Pink Energy, went bankrupt just about seven, eight months ago. And in a huge billion-dollar-plus lawsuit with Generac, and uh, you've seen this guy's commercials. I know on YouTube or Instagram, you've seen him talking about Power Home Solar. And now on my show, The Root of All Success, you're going to hear the true story about what happened behind this lawsuit and what's going on. So I want you to tune in and listen to this. And he's also going to talk about some things like. You know, um, what's the fine line between arrogance and confidence, which is a question I asked him on the show. I think it's interesting, but he is a he's he's a multiple executive of the year an entrepreneur of the year award winner. Uh, he's got awards from Globe, Stevie, Corp Magazine, D Business and more. He's appeared on Detroit's 500's most influential executives list and CBJ's most admired CEOs. Uh, he's got a top five BAM podcast. He's a Wall Street Journal, Amazon, and USA Today bestselling author of the book, Own Your Own Power. He's taken four companies over $10 million plus, uh, one of them surpassing over a billion dollars in value. And in this latest story of losing the last company, having to file bankruptcy, he lost personally over $400 million. Now, I don't really have people on the show that are in the midst of what many would consider a failure moment because this is the root of all success. But as you're going to hear Jason talk on the show, that as as he and I agree that in every adversity, there's the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. And he is in the middle of that adversity and he's in the middle of changing his story to see what the seed is going to be better. And, and like I like I, I think I'm going to name this episode, of course, it will already have been done. Um, let's see. What did I write down? Uh, you can't let your battles break you. And that's really where he's at. He's gone through some battles, very confident guy, very successful guy and impressed with what he's gone through. So I want you to listen to this. Uh, this is kind of a long conversation today, but I think you're going to get some nuggets of wisdom that you don't want to miss. So please help me welcome Jason Waller to the root of all success. Hey, Jason, welcome to the root of all success, my man. Hey, man. Glad to be here. Super excited. And I, I think I heard cigar specialist or something. You're big into cigars? I do. I enjoy a good premium cigar from time to time. What's your favorite cigar? 
the San Parai Purple Band. I've never had it. I'm real big into the. I, I like Cuban cigars, but there's a place in Birmingham, Michigan. I'm trying to remember what it's called. They had the best cigars I've ever Win, uh Winston Churchill. Yeah. So some of their there's a place called Churchill's there, and they have these these handmade fucking cigars that are just oh, they're really good. Yeah, well, so. the San Parai is a it's a boutique brand, but they're they're high end. They're like forty two dollars a stick, so they're not cheap. But they are, I went to, I'm a part of a club here in Nashville called the Standard Club. And it's a, it's one of the premier cigar clubs in the country. And every, every quarter we do these big dinners, these big cigar dinners. And it's a full, like three or four course meal. You get a, you get a choice of some amazing cigars. They have a cigar aficionado dude come in and talk about it. his name is PJ. He's awesome. He owns Franklin Cigar, Nashville Cigar. And we have amazing top shelf liquors that they have somebody come in and show you how these pair and Samparai was one of the one of the ones that had uh, it was a couple of years ago, three years ago, maybe. And they were talking about how great it was. And I had never smoked a cigar that expensive. I, I, I'm usually the 10 to 15, maybe 20 dollars stick kind of guy. Never, never spent that much money. And dude, I that cigar was like heaven. It was unbelievable. I said, give me a box. And so I just keep buying boxes and I smoke them. And my the joke is to my wife, because she knows how expensive they are, is like, well, I also buy the bundles of like dollar and a half cigars. And so I, I, if you if you average it out, I'm I'm still only paying 10 to $20 a stick. <laughs> That's smart, right? That's the way to do it. I like that. So are you, I'm going to have uh, to try those. Well, you got it. You got Sans Parai. It's S-A-N-S. It's, it's uh, French. I think Sans Parai. P-E-R-I-E-L. I think that's how you spell it. It means without equal. And it okay. is absolutely phenomenal. And they're, they're different yeah. color bands. And the purple band is my favorite. I've had all the different colors and the purple is the best. Okay, good. Well, dude, where where are you located? I should have asked you this pre-show, and it didn't. didn't so I I moved back to Charlotte um, two years ago. So I'm not I'm not too far from Nashville. I was uh, I grew up in Phoenix, and then I lived in Charlotte for a long time. And then I moved to Michigan, which I loved. Birmingham, Michigan. Shout out there uh, in 2018 to 2021. But then my second oldest one to come back finished school here, and so we came back. She did that. Now she's at Bama. And so we're kind of stuck here. It's fine. It's just boring. Uh, I do like Nashville, though. I've got some friends in Nashville, and I, I love Nashville. Well, when you come come to Nashville next, we need to hang out to Jasons yeah. and uh, smoke a Samparai. That's right, Jason with a Y and Jason without a Y. We'll we'll That's do right. that. That'll be fun. <laughs> so the reason that I invited you to the show is that I read the story about your big business, uh, billion dollar value, l losing it all, got sued. I think it was. I don't know if you can name, name the people. I think it was Generac. I can't remember who yep, it was. Generac. No, I can name them. I, I name yeah. them all the time. <laughs> so they were, uh, did something shady, something happened and you lost everything. And it was, what was the name of the power, the solar business? It was power home solar. Then it became pink energy as we were getting ready to do a reverse merger and go public. So power home solar. And uh, you lost everything at a billion dollar valuation, man. That had I stop. had 400 million plus in stock that lost personally with it. And then several million dollars that me and my business partners put back into the company to cover the final payroll to state, you know, to, to make sure that all the employees were paid as we closed. It was crazy the way the plane was flying, winning every award. Things are going great. We're the, you know, the, the darling of solar. We're the darling of solar for the NFL. We have 40,000 happy customers. We've got an A plus with the BBB. We're winning awards. And then boom, all of a sudden, it just comes crashing down. Tens of thousands of customer systems not working right. 
software issues, not producing what it's supposed to, you know, uh, it's just turned into a nightmare that we were, we were in, you know, save mode. What do we do? What do we do? We're, we're just continuously trying to save it. I never, you know, every company I've ever built building for, I've never had to lay people off. We did layoffs, layoffs, layoffs closed. It was sad. So let's go back to the beginning of your entrepreneurial story to get to that, because I think that's the most recent and most painful thing that you're going through right now. Plus, you've got some really great things that we're going to talk about, because as Napoleon Hill, in every adversity, there's the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. And you're dealing with yep. that right now. Yep. But when you, when did you start your entrepreneurial ventures? When did that start for you? In 2004, um, I was 24 years old and, um, you know, I never went to college, didn't finish traditional high school. You know, at the time had a five-year-old, had a kid when I was 18 years old, uh, married my high school sweetheart. We had a kid while she was still in high school. We ended up having four kids. We're still married. We have two grandkids. So we've lived that life the right way. Um, but it was hard because I've always kind of been into sales. I've always felt like, you know, I want to be the best at everything I do. I like to win. And so when I got into sales, I was just really good at it. I was very competitive. I studied, I paid attention to people's body language. I wanted to learn every mechanism of, 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 you know, sales practices I can learn, you know, from meeting someone to negotiation to, you know, holding their hand, building rapport, building value. And so I did that in multiple companies for eyes and wireless, which used to be Bell Atlantic. I did it at AT AT&T. I did it at the bank for a while uh, over the phone, selling like CDs and IRAs and things like that. And I got to the point where I was like, I need to be my own boss. Like I felt handcuffed. I felt like I couldn't grow because I didn't have the education. I was judged, whether it be my age, my education, my race or gender, like something was always blocking the opportunity I felt I deserved. So I said, you know, I'm just going to open my own company. I'm going to take a chance on me. I'm going to bet on me. And I watched my old man who was blue collar and I love him not do that. He had an opportunity to open a business with his friend and he elected to play it safe and moved to North Carolina because the AT&T plant where he worked at at a corning plant where they made cable and phone lines, it, they shut it down and he had to move, you know, keep his benefits and keep his, you know, $40,000, $35,000 a year job and moved to North Carolina, you know, and we ended up moving in a trailer park. I didn't even know what a trailer park was when that happened. And I watched him and my mom work their ass off and struggle. And then I had to help. I would help deliver papers in the middle of the night and go to school to help. I would be going with my dad to deliver papers and then go to school the next morning to do everything I can to help pay the bills there. And it got to the point where I was like, that people would make fun of me because of fake tummy. He'll figures they'd make fun of me because I had this horrible car that was like 200 bucks. I got to the point. I was like, look, I'm, I, I can't live like this. When I get a little older, I am going to not be scared to jump on the unicorn. I'm not going to play it safe. So too many people, and I love my old man, they play it safe. They're scared to take that risk. They're scared to jump on that, you know, that unicorn flying by and take a chance and take a ride. And I always told myself, if it came by, I'm jumping on it. I'm not, I'm not missing out. And so fast forward as I was successful in sales, I said, you know what? I got to take a chance on me again. So I opened a home security business, didn't know much about it. Had a friend of mine that was doing it, cashed out some 401k and started to do it. And it was hard. And I built it up from the ground up where I was doing door knocking teams because I was great at door knocking. So I would hire people door knock. We'd get van managers, we'd knock on doors. And this was 04, 05. And uh, we built it up. I remember hiring people at, at Shoney's and at Chili's where I was like, I didn't have an office. I'd be like, hey, Jason, you want a job? Yeah, this is what we do. They're like, well, where's your office? I don't have one yet. Like you get so good at being as confident as you can to sell the job to people. You ain't even got an office, but you're hiring folks. And so I had to go through that. 
Then I remember getting my first office. I was so scared. It was like 500 bucks a month. It was small. It's like, we're going to be able to afford this. It just, but you have to take these chances. You have to go through that. You know, that as an entrepreneur, you got to, you're, you're smiling. You probably went through some of this. This is what happens. You do that. And you're like, oh, this is going to be yeah. hard. And, and then I remember managing people and they were older than me. They were, they had education. I didn't, I was intimidated. I would let them run all over me until I had enough. I exploded one day, cussed this guy out and fired him. I was like, who wants to work on Saturday since the numbers are bad? Nobody raised their hand. I asked this guy, he's like, I need to come in at Saturday at zero. I was like, get the fuck out of my office. I lost it. And all of a sudden they all were scared. And I go, oh, oh, okay. So I am the guy. I've got to be the guy now. So I, it kind of gave me the reins to where I controlled it. And I just built off that confidence. And, you know, I, I'm real big into empowering people, making them feel good. But I'm also big into holding people accountable. I have an 80-20 rule in every company I've built. I believe that you need to, that 80%, I believe that 20% of the people in your business do 80% of the work. And the next 60% just get by. And the bottom 20%. They're just shit. They just hold everybody down. They complain, they bitch, they whine. So I always held every director, every manager accountable for having a KPI and laying off or replacing the bottom 20% every single month. And that hurts people's feelings, but that's how I built four successful companies because we get rid of the minutia of the people just holding people down. And when you tell people, look, this is the grade. And don't get under here two months in a row. You can get under here once. We'll talk about it. But you got to get out of that bottom 20% because you're there back-to-back -back months. You're out because we don't have time. We're not here to make friends when you're running a company. You're here to do great things for your consumers and be profitable and build a business. So if people are, you know, I'm a big believer if everybody's limited by their own expectations and 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 their own potential that they believe in their effort that they put in. So if somebody's like, well, I'm never going to take that many calls like them, or I'm never going to be able to install as many as them, or I'm then I don't want them on my team. I want mm -hmm. people to like, shoot, I yep. want to be up there and be the best. And so built that company up. It did well. Um, then joined another company, sold it, joined another company, built that one up, was also home security. And then we did call centers, had a call center in Pakistan, had a call center in China. So now I was doing all this telemarketing. I was like, oh, this is great. I don't have to deal with door knockers. We can just call people. Well, telemarketing sort of take a heat, you know, a hit. And the problem was you had the do not call list and you had, if I hired you as a call center, all of a sudden you're making calls and we were getting sued because you were calling Jimmy here who's on the do not call list. So all of a sudden you're paying these fines. You're like, okay, I don't like telemarketing. Telemarketing is the worst business in the world. So stayed doing home security with door knocking and got bored. You know, I did it for, you know, nine, 10 years. And uh, I got bored to where I was like, okay, I want to do solar. I want to get into something different. And I saw, um, I saw Doug uh, Peterson from um, Vivint uh, open his business uh, from security to solar. And I said, you know what? I think I need to get into that. And I was in North Carolina. Nobody even knew what the hell solar was in North Carolina. And so I was just so bored and done with security. I felt like everybody was in it. There was no growing. So we sold our security company, uh, made a little bit of money, not a lot. So we're sort of four, three partners and um, opened the solar company, put all that money into it. Didn't now, make that, money. Is that the company that eventually you were talking yeah. about in a minute? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let we, me, let but, me interrupt you because I want to add you. You just I want to unpack a couple of things you said before we get yeah. into that story, because I think what, what I heard you say a few times, a few things I, I really feel like would benefit the listeners. And you said, first of all that a lot of people are scared. You talked about your dad and how he was scared. He played it safe. And you were yeah. like, hey, when the unicorn comes by, I'm hopping on, man. Bareback, we're going, we're going to ride yep. this thing. Why do you think, This is, I'm just asking for your opinion. Why do you think so many people want to play it safe? W what is the motivating factor in that? The fear of failure. 
They're scared to fail. They're scared to not succeed. They're so nervous and scared that if the results aren't what they want, they can't live with that, which, which I always coach people and tell people what's worse is the, is, is regret. That is way worse than failing. That is way worse than taking a chance and not getting the results you want. You can learn from that. When you don't do it, that haunts you for the rest of your life. Mm. And I watched that in my dad. I watched him work his ass off and like, he won't come out and say, I regret it. He regretted every day. Yeah. He had an opportunity to run his own business and said, no, uh, you know, two of my kids, you know, my brother and sister have asthma and I need to keep benefits. And the problem is, is especially we're around the same age, the mentality that we've raised kids and that we were raised is like, at least for our age, if you don't go to college, you're a loser. Like you're going to get good grades and then you're going to go to college. And so because I didn't go to college, I actually, even though I was running a business early on, I felt like a loser. I was like, I think they're better than me because they went to college. Bullshit. They're not better than you because they went to college. They're fucking idiots unless they're doctors or lawyers. They wasted their money on fucking paying for an education they're not utilizing. I had 2,300 employees. 1,900 of them had a fucking college degree wasted. So I don't want to hear that shit. I don't tell my kids, you better go to college or a loser. I'm like, look, if you want to go to college, do it for the experience and do it because it's something you need for your career of what you want to do in life. If you're just fucking going and you don't know what to do and you're, and you're, and you think that's what you need to be a successful person, you don't. And I think that that we've brainwashed, we were brainwashed. And then I think now people are brainwashed to fail because you got social media. I don't want to lose. I don't want to fail. I don't want to take the chance. I'll just play it safe and hide under the radar. More people would rather be sheep than be lions and walk around where it's like, Oh shit. They just want to, they just want to hide underneath everything. And that's okay because that's what most people are. I just have this fire in my belly that won't let me be that way. Well, I, I, and that, that, that leads me to the second thing I want to talk about. But before I get to that second thing, you mentioned fear as the motivating reason for people not wanting to take that chance. I'm 100% with you, man, because fear never leads to any place worth going. If we haven't learned that in the last three years in our world with all the fear mongering that's happened over this COVID BS, like we're never going to learn that fear never leads to any place worth going. So in entrepreneurship, I love it. I love, I love the confidence, which is what I want to ask you about next. I've just had a recent real revelation. I'm reading a book called uh, the game of life and how to play it by Florence uh, Scoville Shin. I don't know if you, you ever heard of her. Anybody <laughs> ever? All right. So you got to go read her. She lived in the twenties and wrote a lot of books in the twenties and thirties was a uh, counterpart, not, not specifically or directly, but with Napoleon Hill. Like she lived the same time he did. And she wrote a lot of the same stuff, but really before he did. And I just had this revelation that faith, you know, our, our confidence, what you call confidence. I have been misunderstanding that as arrogance. What do you think about that? So I have a shirt that's a slogan on my podcast. That's called, it's a fine line. And I like to ride it. Okay. And I believe the line between confidence and arrogance is so thin that sometimes you can't see it. And I like to be right on it, right? Right on it. Now, to me, I want to walk in and act like I'm the biggest, baddest person in the building every time. I have been blessed to meet my football heroes, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, and have them on my podcast. Do TV commercials with Barry Sanders. We became friends. We go golfing together. But why do these guys kind of like me? Why do they're like, oh, what makes me different? Because I'm not a fanboy, because I act like I'm the one special. 
that they need to hang out with. I'm not arrogant where I treat them less than. There's a fine line. But I come in not fanboy and starstruck. I'm like, yo, yeah, I run this business. What's up? I keep it cool. I act like I'm the, sh- the, the, the shit when I walk in, right? I'm the big swinging one when I walk into the building. I'm the most confident. Everybody's a gangster till a gangster walks in. I want to be the gangster walking in every single time, right? Like I walk in that, that I want to be that way. But I don't want to be arrogant and putting people down or making them feel less than but i want to be so confident because it ups your value it ups your value if you're going to go ask somebody out a a person who's a six who's very confident now is an eight and a person who's an eight who has lack of confidence is like a six happens every time it's that way in business it's that way in relationships it's that way when kids meet kids to size each other up for sports it's all about confidence so i've learned over time that Yes, I think if you're too confident, you can be arrogant. And that's that fine line. I like to ride it. I don't want to be rubbing people the wrong way. Like, oh, he's such a dick. I want to be kind and polite, but I want to be very confident. It doesn't matter who's in that room. It's not going to change my peacock feathers. I have to be me. And so I've learned that over time to do that. Like I got to do a round table with Trump. I got to do all these things. When I did that, it was like people like I was around billionaires. I mean, all the little old me and there's all these oil moguls there. And I'm like, I had to like shake it off and go, I'm me. Like I've got a podcast. Like I had to shake it off and take, take control of the room and have the conversation with president Trump at the time. And that was a good feeling. And when you do things like that, then you realize that confidence is, is, is one of the largest keys to success. Confidence changes everything. It gives you the momentum you need to get some of those wins to conquer the minute, to, you know, win the hour, to, to, you know, conquer the day. And I feel like when you're not confident, when you're insecure, I coach kids football. There's 16 kids on my team. I have, I have like eight too many, right? It's seven V seven. I have more kids than everybody. And what's sad is it's not a pay to play league. Like they paid, but there's like, I don't have to play each kid equally. And so I don't, I, I try to play every kid some played two games already, but there are some kids that didn't get to play enough and they haven't earned it. And one kid in particular was placed pretty good, makes a bad pass or makes a bad play and goes, Oh, I'm just so horrible. I don't have time to save him on the field. And I tell my kids when I coach them at practice, listen, guys, at practice, if you want to beat yourself up, or you shouldn't. I'm here to pick you up. I'm here to uplift you. I'm here to coach you. I'm here to make you feel good. But when you go to that game and you're competing against somebody, this is what life is like. You better be confident. You make a mistake. You learn from it. And you move on. You don't stay in the mud. You don't cry. You don't become weak. You need to own it and say next play and stay confident because the moment you don't have confidence and you don't believe in yourself, none of your teammates will believe in you. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening, you have to have so much confidence that when it's hard, you're cool people will follow you. If you lack that, they will not follow you and they won't believe in you. And so it's very important. And so I told these kids yesterday's practice, I don't want to hear whining or complaining from you guys or the parents. If you want to play more, you earn it here on the field and you're confident when you make a mistake. The last thing I want to say, I said, you're never going to be in trouble by coach by making a mistake. We learn from it, but you will get in trouble if you put your shoulders down, you start whining and complaining and and getting negative. I'm going to make you run laps because that's not what life's about. Life's about picking yourself back up and getting better. And if you don't like the, the results you're getting of not playing enough, fix it and practice. Show me why I should play you more. Make it a problem for me. I challenge 12 year old kids to do that. I had parents emailing me last night, like, dude, that's really good. Like they need to hear that. This world's too soft. And it's just like, (laughs) we just need to change our whole outlook of these kids to grow up, to be better. Yeah. I love what you're talking about. The (laughs) fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I'm, I'm only now beginning to understand that because if you look at the people uh, who are idols to us as, as entrepreneurs, as we look up to people that are, that are making waves in the entrepreneurial space, whether they're speakers, podcasters, authors, 
you don't see anybody that that I guess it fits the dictionary definition of arrogance, but they certainly can be perceived as such by people who don't understand the difference, that fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I need to learn from people like you because I, I love the confidence that you came into the show with. I love the confidence I see you on your podcast. I love the confidence that you you went through a billion dollar loss. You know, I love the confidence you can come back and say, listen, I'm still I'm still the, the G. I can make this. And it, but by the way, happen. Jason, it was so hard. Like my family had death threats, FBI, like it was. It was so hard, but when I think about it, it was like I could sit and complain and point fingers all day, or I've got four kids that look to me to make a difference in this world. And what do I tell them by quitting, by being defeated? I tell them that life can beat you. You can't beat life, and it shouldn't be that way. You should be able to conquer the game of life. And so when my son wrote a thing, I've talked about it before in a couple of podcasts, during this whole transition, because we closed the company in September and the company filed bankruptcy in October, I was all over the news station, even there in Nashville, they're painting me to be this crook, all this bullshit. And it's like, none of that's true. Like, if that were true, we wouldn't have won all these awards. We wouldn't have an A plus for eight years. All these customers wouldn't have chose us. Like, none of that's true. We wouldn't have audited financials for three years and and pass due diligence to do a reverse merger. Like, but the perception out there of consumers that don't understand and media who's like, oh, this guy's got a Lambo. So I got nice stuff. I built four companies. I've done real estate. I'm allowed to have nice things. They paint this picture. Well, my kids were hearing, getting bullied at school. Like, oh, your dad's getting sued. You know, oh, you got, he's a crook. Like they had to deal with it. And how was I going to act? Was I going to get angry? And I, there was times I was angry. You can see some of my posts. I'm calling Generac out all the time because nobody would be the voice of truth. I'm like, I'm going to share the truth. Like, let's put it out on blast of what really happened because there's a huge lawsuit where we're suing them for a billion dollars. It's out there. Nobody wants to talk about it. Let me share it. But I couldn't sit there and be that way in front of my family, my wife, my kids, my peers, my friends, people who still believed in me want to do things. I said, I've got, I've got to a pray. And B, I've got to understand that every battle, when you talked about what Napoleon Hill said, every battle, there's a blessing at the end of it. So I'm in a battle. And I know if I get through the battle, there's going to be a blessing. So I have to think that way. I'm telling these kids, don't get negative. Don't be weak. Don't be broken. I've got to stand up. Well, I started standing up. I started working. I started grinding. I started whiteboarding. What business am I going to open up next? What am I going to invest in? What do I want to do? I got some kid, guys together that want to join the team. You know, I'm like, this is exciting again. I'm, I'm rejuvenating. I'm, I'm building myself up. My son writes a thing to his teacher. They talk about who do you admire the most? He writes, I admire my dad because during this whole process, he just stayed working his butt off. He didn't quit. He didn't complain. He didn't make excuse. He just worked his butt off. So that, because he says things like that, it's like, you have to finish what you started. You can't quit. You can't be defeated. You can't lay on the couch and cry and not want to get up for days. There's been days I didn't want to. Shoot, there's days I'm like, what am I doing today? But you have to push through. So you push through. You push through the hard stuff with the security system, call center, or the security system sales, call center, and then you started the solar company. So let's pick up there. When you started Power Home Solar, which eventually became pink, but when you when you started that, what did you think was going to happen? Because you are in North Carolina, you're in the South. Solar is not a thing. I mean, I'm in Tennessee. I was in, I, I own a company in the energy space. We don't do solar, but but I get it. Like we're in the bad, we're in the bad geographical location to do something in the energy space. What did you think was going to happen long term? What, what what did you see? What was your vision for the company? So, my everyday goals have always been like 30, 60, 90, 180. 
You know, I've never looked at like right now talking about, you know, we'll, we'll get into it probably later at the end of this, but like my coaching, they're like, do you, do you want to make a hundred million dollars, a billion dollars in coaching? Sure. I'd like to right now. Let me work on making a million dollars in coaching. Right. So you got to focus on the shorter goals. And I learned that as a child and, and becoming a young adult in business and, and, and learning things that when you look too far, you, you, you're not growing. You got to stay in the moment and grow with the moment. Therefore, you're not, you're not surprised. You're able to grow with the company. You're able to make the moves you need to make. When I opened Power Home Solar, it was a rude awakening because I took the money I made from the business, put it in, and I didn't get paid for almost 19 months. And the company lost. We did $3 million in sales year one and lost a million bucks. And then I sold my house on Lake Norman in North Carolina and put that money into the business. So here I am, all the money I ever made from the sale of the other company, all the money I had equity in my house, and I'm not getting paid, all into this company that I believed in. And when we first started it, to me, it was like, oh, I, I could sell soda. I could sell water. It doesn't matter. That's how I felt. Well, solar was different because nobody knew what the hell it was. So I had to real fast learn, oh, we have to educate people. And I don't want to deal with door knockers. We talked about that. And I don't want to deal with telemarketing. What can I do different? You know what? I want to do digital marketing. I see that Facebook, because it's 2015, I see that Facebook starting to have ads or, and people, this is before lives were going on. I said, maybe if I do enough lives and talk about solar, maybe if I put some ads and I learn the algorithms of where to fish, what, what clients to try to put ads in front of, maybe we'll find the right ones, ones that don't like the utility company, ones that don't like the raising rates, ones that don't like this and that. I said, that's going to be the buyer. So I started to create a marketplace by educating consumers in there. And it was costly. But I believed in it. The more I learned about solar, Jason, the more I loved it. I was like, and I look, people, I'm a hardcore Republican. But if you don't like solar, you're just stupid because it makes a lot of sense. Like, it doesn't matter if you're left, right. That was my whole conversation with Trump. And he agreed. Solar is great. He didn't like China solar or Chinese solar, he called it. But he loved American solar, right? So at the end of the day, like, I loved that part of it. And most of our buyers were Republican. They own farms or they own businesses. And like, this makes financial sense. And I don't want to pay Duke Power all this money. I'd rather keep some of it for me. And so as I started to get better at this and learn it and started to build a brand, I started to figure it out. I was like, okay, well, this is a cash flow problem. Like, this is construction. This ain't anything I'm used to. I'm used to selling paper, like, you know, sell an alarm, you sell the contract, do the install, you get paid quick. I'm not getting paid for six, eight, nine, 10, 12 weeks. We have a cash flow problem. This is a nightmare. And that continued to where we were borrowing for Peter to pay Paul to stay open the first two years, pretty much where, all right, here's more money to the company. Okay, I sold my house. Here's more money. That finally, after we finished 16, I started getting a paycheck. We went into 17. I opened up a new market in Michigan and boom, it exploded. And people are like, why would you open solar in Michigan? Well, I didn't plan on it, but I had a family member that's like, dude, can you please bring solar here? And I'm like, dude, there's no sun in Michigan. Like, I'd be better <laughs> putting solar on the moon. What are you talking about? Well, they sent me their power bill and I pulled it up. There was a government app that all the solar companies use to be able to show the, the production of solar in a zip code. And so I would put it in there and I go, holy crap, like the production is about 20% less than North Carolina, but the cost is 60% more. Well, that means that it's more profitable 40% to get solar in Michigan than it is North Carolina. And we're doing pretty good in North Carolina now that we built a brand. We need to go to Michigan. That's why solar does well in California, I mean, not California, in New York and Connecticut, because in Minnesota, because the cost of power is so high, right? Doesn't matter about the sun. That's only part of the, uh, of the formula. The cost of power really helps offset how much sun you're getting and the difference. So 
Fast forward, we open that up. True story, we get Nissans first. So our guys show up in a Nissan, and two of our guys end up getting thrown out of the house because they don't have one of the big three, the American-made. So then we're like, oh, my gosh, this is a nightmare. So we have to get rid of the Nissans. We switch over to American-made carts, and at the same time, we switch over to American-made panels while Trump's on this whole American-made push. And he did the tariffs in China, and we doubled in size. And then all of a sudden, now cash flow is becoming positive, and then I learned how to raise capital, right? We gave 25% of the company away and raised capital in order to grow into more markets. And so it took that learning curve of getting into an industry I knew nothing about, but fell in love with and showing consumers and finding uh, reasons why consumers would want to go to solar. What was the reasoning? We would sit down and the way I teach coaching and, and I mean, the way I coach sales is in today's world, people They don't want to be sold. They don't want you to knock on their door. They don't want you to call them. They want to be authority figures. They want to be empowered to make their own decisions. And what I learned early in the solar game is if we can have people read authority pages online, educational pieces online, and have interest and click it, we then can call them and say, hey, Mr. Duncan, can we come see you and talk to you about this? Then we sit down with your family and we're like, okay, let's talk about why you want me here. We're making a friend. We're not trying to sell them. We're taking pictures of their house. We're doing all the things to bond, then show them the proposal. So I had a different way to teach the sales and it really worked because they were more consultants, not salespeople. And the consumers appreciated that. And they had their reasonings. I want to get solar because I hate Duke power. I want to get solar because I want to save the planet. I want to get solar because I want to get a battery and I'm worried about blackouts. Like there were those reasons. It was never just, I just want to get solar, right? And so we- we figured out that that different people wanted different things. And so we really became like a, a giant digital marketing company that sold and installed solar because we became specialists at digital marketing on ads that that were, you know, uh, tailed to different kind of buyers. Like if it were in a certain state and they were angry at the utility company, there was issues going on. We had that kind of ad. If it was a more liberal state and they wanted to save the world, we had that kind of ad. Right. If they had a lot of power outages and rolling blackouts and storms, we had a battery ad. You just got to be smart. And I evolved to that part of the business to where it started exploding. Yeah, I used to I used to see your ads all the time on Instagram and YouTube uh, about the battery, the, you know, the batteries and Generac and all that kind of stuff. And actually, I had uh, one of your sales guys come out and quote me. <laughs> on uh, not the house that we live in now, but the house that we sold a, a little over a small year world, ago. Huh? Small world, huh? Small world. It's uh, it's an How interesting. How did he do, by the way, when he came in? Was it good? Terrible. Oh, he it was, was terrible. It was absolutely the worst sales pitch. I felt so bad for the dude. I'm like, dude, I need to train you how to sell because I might buy from you, but this this was the worst sales pitch ever. It was so bad that I reached back out to the whoever the person was. I talked to him and said, listen, that guy was terrible. Like, not a bad person. He's just this was. I'm a sales coach, a trainer too. I own companies, and you and I are very similar. Like that was bad. Like from every. And they sent somebody else out and he was so apologetic, like two or three weeks later. And this guy's like, I'm the manager. You know, I'm sorry. He was new. He doesn't work for us anymore. That guy wasn't any better. And I thought, what is going on? So we, uh, we ended up not doing business and we had right. sold the house anyway. So, but yeah, it wasn't that guy. It was, I'm sure it was an anomaly in your system because you're very good at what you do. I can not imagine that being. Yeah. Ridiculous. And I, and I think when you, when you get so big, you know, we were hiring so many sales folks that they would go through training. They would go in that it's hard to educate. Like Tennessee is a hard state to do solar. They don't have that oh, meter. Right? You, gotta, you, you have to have battery. It's one of them that in Georgia, you have to have a battery to do it, but there's so many people do not like 
um, TVA. They don't like the coal ash issue, people getting sick and dying. And so therefore they're, they're interested in investing in solar. And if you're not getting a battery, you shouldn't get solar. I've always believed that. So when batteries come out, just don't get a Generac battery, <laughs> get anybody else's battery. Don't get a Generac battery. But I believe in that because there's nothing better than, you know, producing power and harnessing it and saving it and then using it at night when you want rather than paying time of use or rather being subjected and handcuffed and held hostage to the utility company with, of their rates when you need it or if they have power outages, you know, you can keep some of your power on with the battery. So, you know, we, you would have new people come in and and not know in certain markets and struggle. And Tennessee and yeah. Georgia were two of those markets where it was like it was hard to build more value on it um, because it wasn't like uh, Michigan where you know, their savings, right? It wasn't like uh, Virginia where their savings, it was more like Georgia and Tennessee were more like, hey, like you're doing this because you want to save the environment and you want to make sure you never, you don't have power outages and yeah. you are pr protecting your future investment of um, buying power later. So that's each state's different. But yeah, we've, I mean, we had 2,300 employees and we had 600 sales reps. So yeah, every now and then you get a couple. Yeah, of you're not going to have 100, uh, 600 great sales reps when you got that many people out there. So let's talk about where it all went wrong. So you've got, you built this company, has a billion dollar valuation. Things are going good. Where, where was the first sign now looking backwards that, holy crap, this, this ship is sinking. What's going on? So in 2020, um, right before COVID, Generac started reaching out to us on LinkedIn. And I didn't know who Generac was. That's a true statement. Like I lived in Michigan, grew up in North Carolina and Arizona. I was like, I don't know what Generac is. They were hounding me on LinkedIn and they were calling our VP and they were calling our COO and calling our director of operations saying, Hey, we'd let, we have a new battery option. We're, you know, we're from, we do generators. We're looking to get in the solar space. We just bought this battery company. The whole team is hounding me. We're with a company called Solar Edge who were waiting on their battery to come out because we want to sell batteries. I believe in batteries. I'm like, when are you coming out with them? When are you coming out with them? So these guys harass us. So then they're like, you really got to look at this. So I go and I look at my message on LinkedIn and it's from the president of Generac. And I'm like, okay, let me pull Generac up. And then I see they're a public company worth like $8 billion. I'm like, oh snap, this is a big company. This ain't some Mickey Mouse company trying to earn our business. So I tell my team, let's get them all on a call. So we get on a call. Their CEO, Aaron Yagfeld's in the Bahamas on this call. I'm in Michigan. Um, uh, and my team's in North Carolina, our other executives. And we talk and they're like, listen, we bought this company called Pika Energy. We're the best at making generators. You can look at our, our, our reputation, our history. We are it. And we want to be a game changer in the battery space of renewable energy. And we believe that you guys are the right company to do it. You're one of the largest private companies out there. You guys are a marketing machine. We'd love to partner with you. We'd even do TV commercials with you. And I said, well, listen. I, we've never used anybody else's name but ours. I've never been a fan of that. Um, so there would be a cost to that. You'd have to help pay for the media. They're like, no, we're interested. And I said, well, what's the cost of your battery? Because we're looking at the Tesla, but we're looking at other batteries. They're like, well, if we can get the cost down, can you guys come up to our plant? We'll work it out. I mean, they were doing the whole dog and pony show. I said, well, I got news for you. It's a true story. I said, I'll never go to Wisconsin again. I went to a Lions-Packers game. I'm a Lions fan. And I, the refs stole the game from us. And the Packers people, were, the fans were the nicest people I ever met, but they were the weirdest people I've ever met. Like literally the weirdest, strangest people I've ever met. I felt like West Virginia and Arkansas had kids and that was Green Bay. And I said, look, I can't, I know you're laughing. I'm being real. I said, I'm just not coming back up there. They were laughing. I said, I'm just not doing it. But my team will. So my team went there and, and did the whole thing and came back. It's like, we got to do this. So we negotiated pricing. COVID hit. 
during that process, we're still talking. They're like, guys, we can do this. Like, what do you think now that there's this issue? we got this COVID out there. So this is like late March, early April. You know, we can really double down on TV. We can really sell these batteries. And I'm like, all right, so this is going to cost the customer around eighteen to $20,000 more. What is the value there? So we're going through the value. Well, the value is, is time of use. So when the utility companies raise the their rates, they get that. The other value is... They're going to never have to be without power. They can always have some kind of power in their home, like a generator, except with a generator, you got to buy gas. And in the Midwest states like Michigan and Ohio, gas is expensive and then they limit you. So when it's cold, it's nice to have some solar. So I said, all right, let's talk about that. I said, well, here's what we'll do. Let's go ahead and run it. Let's go with it. And I'll give consumers an option. I'll say, hey. You can do solar for X or for an additional X per month. So we had a 20-year plan for financing for solar. And if you wanted to go with a battery, we had a 25-year plan for financing. The rates were the same, but because it was an extra five years, it was only like $30 more a month. So when we sat down with a customer and we said, listen, Mr. Duncan, you can do solar only for $240 a month or for an extra $31 a month, you go five extra years, you can get the battery and storage. We were seeing six, out, six seven out of 10 were saying, I want the battery. When we started offering that. So we started installing that and things were good. Like we're buying their product. We had to buy directly from, we, we started to buy from distributors first because they didn't have, you know, we were such a big company. They didn't have enough direct at, at Generax. So we're buying from the distributors and we're, and then we were talking about, we were getting frustrated with them. Like, when are we going to buy direct? We're kind of paying an arm and a leg to the distributor. Like we'll back, you know, we'll give you a price decrease. Don't worry about, it. we'll take care of you. Stringing us along during the process. So we're building their name. We're crushing it. Customers are picking it. We go in to 2021 and we just had our best year ever during COVID and Piper Jeffrey, I don't know if you're familiar with who are they are broker, like in, in like to help raise capital or sell companies. So they come in and they're like, listen, you guys are crushing it. You guys are valued for like probably $400 million. We would like to help you guys replace Trivest who own 25% of the company, buy them out, take some chips off the table, throw some more money into the business. Like, let us do that. So of course we're like, yeah, we just had our best year ever. Let's go. So we start to do a process of selling a portion of the company, not majority, but probably 45, 49%. Trivest had 25%. So we were going to sell 24%, put some of it in the business, put some of it in our pockets. We were super excited. This started in 2021. As we're going through this process, and I did over 200 pitches, private companies, public companies, Tesla, Vivint, Goldman Sachs, Blackstone, you name them. I did a pitch to every one of them once or multiple times where I got so good at doing this pitch deck, they were like, dude, you're one of the best people I've ever seen try to sell a company. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, I was just, I was on it. And I loved it. I was like, this is exciting to go over what we're good at and what you're going to invest in. So I love that, but we're still growing the company. We're still on the growth. All of a sudden, April, 2021, a fire happens. We ain't never had a fire. We have a fire. Turns out it was a Generac system. People think it's the battery. Generac just isn't the battery. It's an inverter as well. An inverter trans tra changes the uh, power from uh, DC to AC. And on the back of each panel are what they call, they're like optimizers. They're called snap RSs. Those are like ignition switches. So that's a Generac part and the inverter's a Generac part. And then if you got a battery, that's a Generac part. So a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't have a battery. It's some issue. No, 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 no. Everything from April 2020 on was Generac. We left Solar Edge and did a deal with Generac where the back of the panel, Generac, the inverter was Generac, and if you got a battery, Generac. Well, it turns out they were saying the fire marshal in Kentucky said this was from a panel 
this was from the Snap RS from Generax part that that caught on fire and created uh, uh, made the house burn down. It was because of that. Well, that made us scratch our head like something is wrong. So we called Generac and they like no questions asked, not even a release or anything like send money over to give to the customer and our attorney legal team like that's weird, right? Then we get report of a week later of another one. And we're like, okay, there's a problem here. So we get on the phone with them, the whole executive team and them. And we're like, what's going on? They're like, well, this is the first we've heard of it, but let us look into it. We'll get back to you tomorrow. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the Root of All Success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B-B. I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored that they're our primary sponsor of the podcast. But they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails. You can set up custom onboarding. You can do admin reporting. You need around video and sales and automation dub is there. You can try dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try dub. Plus you're going to get 50% off your first two months of dub. You can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. I love talking about this sponsor because it's oftentimes a lot of people talk about sponsors on their shows or sponsors and they either don't use them or they might've used them once and they're not really in love with it. They just take their money. <laughs> it, it certainly is nothing wrong with that. But this sponsor, this one of my sponsors of the podcast is Story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Two whys, why? Because they're awesome. If you've ever wondered how these influencers do their Instagram reels and their TikToks and their YouTube shorts to look so amazing where they've got the Zoom cuts and the pop-ups and the on-screen illustrations, whether it's cartoons or actual images or videos that get responses, that people go, ooh, I want to talk to that. If you want to know how people do that, that is exactly what Story does. They take your videos and they make you look like an influencer. They make you become an influencer. And they will post it for you. They'll write the captions. They'll add the relevant hashtags. They put it on the platforms that you care about the most. And after that content's posted, they take it even one step further to boost it to your past clients, your leads, or anyone that you want to target. And they even have someone log into your social media profile to engage with other people's posts to drive engagement on your profile. Story truly takes a headache away from doing social media content from start to finish. And they have a mission to help people nurture and cultivate their relationships by sharing your message digitally. And they even have an app that makes it easy to upload your content and track everywhere your video is at. And I've been using them for a long time. And 
I told him, I said, look, guys, I love what you're doing. I want to recommend you to everybody. You need to be a sponsor of my podcast. And so they're a co-sponsor of this podcast. And they're also the exclusive sponsor of my live webinar series, Entrepreneur Master Series, because they're that good. I tell everybody about them. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story to learn more. And that's therealjasonduncan.com slash story, S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Why are there two Ys? Because they're awesome. You'll get 10% off your first three months if you go to that link, therealjasonduncan.com slash story. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now, back to the show. The next day, they tell us, hey, problem solved. We have this firmware update that's going to alleviate any of those things catching on fire. We're asking questions. Well, why would they catch on fire? Well, they get too hot, but this firmware won't allow that to do it. It'll, it'll, it'll be fine. It, they just, it prevents that from happening. You're sure yet. Can you put that in writing? Yes, they put it in writing. This is April 2021. We continue to tread on. Things are okay. We're selling, you know, we're putting their stuff out. Okay, we're great. Get towards the end of the year. Um, and, you know, we have a deal uh, uh, for to do a SPAC for a billion fifty. There were end up two deals we ended up signing to do a SPAC for a billion fifty that we were going through due diligence on that we signed in the middle of the year of 2021. And we we're supposed to close early 2022. The guys that did the SPAC out of MGG came to us in November of 2021 and said, hey, I don't think we should do a SPAC. And we agreed. SPACs are taking a, a hit. We have another company that already de-SPAC that's public that has $400 million on the balance sheet. Let's do the same deal and do a reverse merger. We can close in June or July. Great. So we switched the deal. They're like, let's raise some uh, money for a pipe raise. We go to Generac. Generac's like, oh, we'll give you $50 million in the pipe raise. Okay, great. That's that was easy, right? So we're, we're setting all this up. December hits, and all of a sudden, we're getting a lot more service calls than we've ever had before. You know, we had around almost forty thousand customers, and our average service tickets were like five or six hundred a month, right? And we had twenty six locations, so we had eighty install teams to put in new installs, and we had twenty six service teams. We only needed one service team per city because we didn't have a lot of service. Well, all of a sudden, the service tickets started to rise 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% in like just days. We're like, something's wrong. So as we go into January and February, they're coming out of control. We're getting more phone calls than we ever had. We used to get about 800 phone calls a month. We're getting 30,000. We have hold times of five and a half hours. I'm like, is somebody spoofing? Or like, what is going on? We're all freaking out. All these complaints are happening. Their systems aren't producing. They're not working. We're like trying, we're, we're asking Generac, do you know any, like, is this something to do with your firmware? No, we're trying to figure things out. The complaints are coming in like crazy. A bad media article comes out in Detroit in March, accuses us of all these things. They interviewed five customers. They had 19 complaints. Turns out later on, we found out 17 of those 19 complaints were snap RS issues, Generac issues. Two were ours, right? Out of the 19, but they had 19 people calling saying the system doesn't work. They're having issues. They can't get a hold of us. The phones are on hold, all of this nonsense. And the news goes, oh, well, let's set up, you know, some espionage and have a sales rep come and show up. And they do that, make this whole, it's called a hall of shame story, make this whole video of sales rep coming in. They're like, yeah, all of Ford Fields uh, got solar. Oh, all of Ford Field. Well, no, not all of Ford Field. The parking deck and the training facility do. But the sales rep said all of Ford Field. Well, does that really make a difference? I don't think so. But the media wanted to expose that that makes a difference, that the whole stadium has it, not part of the stadium, whatever. Little things like that that the media took and exploited to put a good show out there because they had these complaints. 
which led to, we were scratching our heads. Like, is there something wrong with our sales team? Like what, this doesn't make sense. So we hired an AM 100 law firm to do an investigation on our sales practices because we were in the middle of a public deal. And they're like, you need to do that to make sure it passes with flying colors. We can't close it. We're like, great. So we go to get that done. That's working on it. We start to question Generac. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Finally, Generac at the end of March, beginning of April comes clean and says, what year is this? What year is this? 2022. Two. All right. Says, okay, well, our firmware, it seems, um, is creating a problem. We're going to have to replace that, that 801 with an 801A. And we're like, why would you have to replace an 801A? Because the firmware is doing something to shut part of the system down. And it's not working correctly. What do you mean it's not working correctly? So then our specialists and our service guys and our coordinators are getting on the phone with their engineers. And it turns out what happened was when they sent that firmware update, anytime your thing heated up, that even got close to it, they would send you an update. It would turn off part of your system, a third or two thirds of your system, depending on how many bad parts you had on there. They were at a 41% fail rate. It would shut the entire array off. You didn't know it. We didn't know it. The only way you were able to tell is your power bill. It wasn't yeah. changing. So here you are. You bought some like this shit doesn't work. It worked and now it doesn't. And we're like, what? And we're replacing these parts. And we're asking Generic, this doesn't make sense. Then they're like, oh, you got to get a new part. The firmware was doing that. This firmware worked with the new part. We're like, this is bullshit. Like you told us the firmware fixed it. So then they were replacing those. And we're like, look, now we're having to do more service than we're doing installs. We need you guys to start paying us for this stuff. We're also taking a heat here. I'm getting kicked. The team's getting kicked. The brain's getting kicked. We're protecting you guys. Like, we've been a good partner. We're not like, oh, it's Generac. You guys need to send a letter to these customers, and you need to start talking to the AGs about what's going on. So they agreed. They sent a letter to the customers. Hey, we have this faulty part. Pink Energy's doing, well, we're already in the process of changing to Pink Energy during all this because when we decided to do the XL fleet reverse merger, we didn't like the name Power Home Solar because they were a company that converted cars from gas to hybrids. So we wanted to do something better than Power Home Solar. We came up with Pink Energy. So we, we had this whole brand name change on, on Earth Day, which was in April, in the middle of all this, right? And so here we are juggling this. And I'm like, look, we got to make consumers happy. I don't want them to think we're changing. They run from something. So we advertised on TV for two weeks about the change, sent a letter to everybody and told them, hey, good news. Your workmanship warranty goes from five years to 10 years. Welcome to the pink energy way. Right. So we did a good thing to let people know. But here we are drowning in service tickets, trying to figure things out. So now we're going from 80 install teams to 40, 40 to 20. Those are new installs. That's how we make our revenue. We went from 26 service teams to 50, 50 to 90, trying to replace these because customers were getting pissed telling Generac, you're going to have to compensate us a lot for this. We're losing our ass. They would give us a little. They would give us a little. They would give us a little. Finally, the, the straw that broke the camel's back is when they sent an email in June from their CEO and said, hey, I'm glad we've been able to work through this. We now have our new part, the 802A. Not the 801 or the 801A, the 802A or 802, whatever it was, the new part that they came out with that replaced the firmware, which was temporary. His email eight months before that was the firmware fixed everything. This is a permanent fix. Yes. So he lied. So we get on a call and we're having a heated conversation. And I'm like, Aaron, you lied. Like you said, why did really lie? We didn't know. I said, but that's not my problem. And he's like, you're right. We should have done more due diligence. All this is recorded. We should have done more due diligence. We, you know, we rushed this product. We shouldn't have. This is on us. And I'm like, well, dude, my company's suffering. I'm suffering. Like, like I wake up every morning. We're trying to survive because of your guys' mess. Like you got to make this right. We'll make it right. This is on us. All these things, he says. I'm like, all right, we're going to get you guys some invoices. 
because you guys are going to have to compensate us for gas, for time. We're paying customers for their monthly fee where their system's been down. We're losing millions and millions of dollars. We're going to be hitting you guys for that to fix it, and then we'll write the ship. They agreed. So we sent them one. They paid $4 million. Sent them another one. They paid $4 million. All of a sudden, we bundled everything up. We sent them one for $81 million. They didn't pay it. We're like, and remember, we were doing 50 million in revenue a month in new sales. Now we were doing 15, 20 million in new sales and everything was in service. We're losing our ass. We're like, dude, this is your mess. You need to pay it. They were arguing. We're not going to, we, we're not going to pay that much. So we get on a call and I ask him firmly, did you not tell your board about this faulty part? That's none of your concern. That's none of my concern. Then why do you have to go to the board to get the money to pay us that you owe us? Well, look, I'm not going to give you that much. Like you guys owe us for some parts. I said, we don't owe you anything. Like we have have a credit line for $10 million. Like you owe us 81 million. You owe us more than that because our brand is taking a shit right now. So you guys need to step up and pay this or there's going to be a big lawsuit in. Well, 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 let me talk. We'll get back to you. So Monday comes, we're putting everything together. We're good. This is uh, Junie sends the email. We start having the calls in July. They're sending us parts. They agreed to pay. They're slow paying us. The end of July, we send them the $80 million bill. They say they're not going to pay it. We file a lawsuit August 1st. I got on the phone with them the day we were going to file a lawsuit and said, dude, I really need you to at least pay 10 million days. I'm not going to happen. I got the, I got the call recorded. And he's like, I was like, well, dude, you guys, this is your fault. You guys said you would fix it. This is your faulty part. We didn't make this part. We didn't lie to the consumer and send them something to shut part of their system down. They bought something that works. You manipulated fraudulently changed it to prevent a fire on your part. You should have done a national recall. You didn't, this is on you. And they made, he made a comment was like, look, this is like David versus Goliath. We do this stuff all the time. I don't know what to tell you. You guys have fun going to court. There's nothing, nothing we're going to talk about here. And I told him clear as day. I said, well, I got news for you. Most people walk away when you throw them off the plane. I'm going to bring every one of you motherfuckers with me. I don't go away. So we'll see how this goes. And I hung up the phone and we filed a lawsuit. They didn't think we would. Their attorneys called attorney. You guys really filed a lawsuit? Yeah, we've been building it for three months because you guys have been lying and we've been replacing the stuff. So we've been documenting everything. So they were freaking out. And all of a sudden, you know, newscasts are out there. This company, we're laying people off. We're trying to stay open. We finally get our BBB rating back. So we had an A plus with the BBB all the way to like May of, so from 2015, every state we're in, that's unheard of in construction, an A plus with the BBB. We lose it in May 2022. We get it back August 7th of 2022 because we showed them the lawsuit against Generac and they cited in there because we changed equipment manufacturers and we've done everything we're supposed to do. We get our A plus back. So here we are. Sales are starting to come back. We quit using their products. Generac didn't pay us for the service. So we said, customers, I'm sorry, we can't service you. You're going to have to go to Generac. They're not paying us there and they owe us $80 million. So customers were lost, getting more furious. And we're worried about the new customers. Well, all those complaints and losing money. Remember, every year we were making 50, 60 million dollars. I wasn't taking distributions out. It was staying in the business for us to go public. The only distributions ever came to the owners the last four years we were open was for tax distributions. I made the same salary, Jason, in 2018 as I did in 2021 and 2022. It never changed. So I left all of this money, $400 million of equity in the business that I never pulled money out in distributions. It all just reinvested. So when we had a credit line that we were we were trying to survive and all of a sudden we're doing everything and we start to see, okay, we're coming back in sales. Well, Generac screwed us on the 80 million. We couldn't catch up. We had to close the doors. We ended up losing one hundred and eighty million dollars the last 90 days we were open. That is nuts. And we laid off people the end of May. The middle of July. 
I'm sorry, the end of May, the beginning of August. And then when we laid the entire company off, um, was September 21st. So, so what's the status right now with the lawsuit? So because we BK the company, the trustee and the state of North Carolina own the lawsuit, which is the only asset that we have in this entire thing. Cause the trustee came in nice guy from state from uh, Statesville, North Carolina. And he sits in, he goes, is this your only location? Like this is after we filed BK. I said, no, we have 51 locations. He goes, looks his admin goes, uh, okay. And he's like, well, how many vehicles do you guys have? I said, ah, we probably own probably 50 of them, but we have 1130. Uh, okay. Like he's overwhelmed. Like it's like one of the largest bankruptcies ever in the state of North Carolina. Nothing I'm proud of, but it was like, it's overwhelming. I've never been in a situation like this. Well, what do we do? So when you're going through this process and you're talking to him, trying to piece it together, you're like, he's got his hands full. He's like got a candle in a dark cave, doesn't know where to go. And my fear is, is if all these consumers want to be made whole, which they should be, every one of them should be. If they've got a generic part, they should have a brand new system put in and refunded for all their money. Absolutely. I feel that way a thousand percent. The only way these creditors get it and the and the customers get made whole is if the trustee takes this lawsuit all the way to the brim because it's a billion fifty value and gets it for over 200 million. Anything over 200 million starts to give these consumers whole because they have claims. If he settles for 100 million, the consumers will never see anything. It'll just go to the creditors. That's my fear is Generac knows this game, the David versus Goliath, they commented, and they'll settle. Maybe I'm wrong. I've talked to the trustee. He says, oh, I'm a fighter. I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully he's a fighter. Uh, but it's going to be three, four-year case. And so, you know, with all of that said, it's like, you know, I get personal lawsuits now because a lot of these consumers are confused. I use this example to explain it clearly for your listeners. The way to make this simple for everybody is I'm going to use a Tesla example. Imagine I have a Tesla dealership. Tesla allows you to run a car dealership. You know, you got Ford and Chevy and GM. Okay, right now Tesla doesn't do that. It's corporate. But let's say Tesla had car dealerships. So I have Jason's car dealership, and I'm one of the largest prestigious car dealerships in the country for Tesla. I'm selling them to everybody, NFL stars, everybody, right? Hollywood, everyone's excited, winning all these awards for being the best Tesla dealership out there. Well, then all of a sudden two Teslas catch on fire. And we're emailed, what the hell, Tesla? And they're like, hey. We got to fix. We're going to send this update to their to their car. They'll never have this problem again. Are you sure? Absolutely. So we're like, all right, it's Tesla. We got it. So they get the update. We're continuing to do what we do. We only have a couple of service people that change out, you know, batteries here and there, change out some tires, whatever, whatever. All of a sudden, we're having hundreds and hundreds and then thousands of people coming in saying, my shit doesn't work. My battery doesn't charge. My battery doesn't charge. We're freaking out. Like what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? We reach out to Tesla and we go, something's wrong. All these consumers are complaining that their battery only charges a hundred miles, not a hundred, not 250 miles. Something's wrong. And then Tesla goes, oh, well, that update must have governed and changed what their capacity. So then we're telling the customers, hey, we got to switch out this part. They're like, bullshit. I bought this car from you. I want a refund. I want this. I don't have time to wait for you for months to change out this piece. I bought it to do 250 mile charge, not to do a hundred mile charge. And they're all coming out of the woodwork and we end up going out of business. That's what happened to power home solar. That's the easiest way I can put the analogy. Man. So 
you're now doing what? I mean, what's the next step? So it was cleanup and, you know, how do we handle this? It was, I invested in a couple other home service companies that are doing pretty good uh, that I helped with that, that some people are running and those are taken off. So it's, that's really good. It makes me feel like, Hey, like, look, we, this, I have a blueprint for this, which led me to, Hey, maybe I should start coaching. So Dan Locke's a mentor of mine and Wes Watson I had on my show a couple months ago. Both of them told me you need to do coaching for home service business. So many home service companies out there are they're great tradesmen. They don't know how to run a company. They don't know how to build a company. They don't know how to market. They don't know how to grow. They don't know how to scale. That should be your niche. You got to get in there, start doing coaching and then take those coaching things and create courses and start selling courses. So I started the coaching thing a few weeks ago, I haven't really marketed yet. I shared it on social some. Um, I've got about six people I coach, a couple of ex-NFL players and a couple business owners. Uh, but I'm continuing to try to grow the coaching, which I love. And there'll be opportunity in the coaching where some of them are like, hey, you know, do you want some sweat equity? Help me raise capital or help me do this. There'll be opportunities for me to do that, which, I, which I'm all about and love. Uh, and then building the courses, you know, Grant Cardone, did, you know, 2 billion in sales last year and over a billion of it was education on real estate, just courses. So I would like to be the education specialist and the coach for home services, for entrepreneurs that at real estate agents, anybody that's branding or marketing or any kind of home service, I want to be that guy. I want to be the person they lean on and, and they hire me for a month or they hire me for a year or they bring me in as a consultant. And then I'm doing some motivational speaking that I love as well. So I'm doing those things while uh while the other companies are growing and i love these things like i know i can really grow this largely and it's fulfilling you know i had a guy that i talked to his first coaching session last month and i helped him with some digital marketing stuff he did two million in sales more the following week he like called me freaking out oh my gosh i never thought it'd be this and it made me feel so good it's like when you coach a kid in football and they get their first touchdown they're so excited like it's fulfilling to go you know what i can make a difference in this guy's business i can help them grow their business the right way and look it's not just about all the wins i had i can talk about my losses i can talk about mistakes i mean god knows we weren't perfect i mean the the catastrophe of, of the company closing is not on us it is a high vast majority on generac but of course there's things we could have been better at right and so i learn from those and i want to share that knowledge well, you've got certainly a unique and interesting story, one that has uh, probably, hopefully, will never be repeated by anybody else because that's terrible. Yeah. But what would you say now, because this, this, this show is called The Root of All Success, what would you say is your definition, your personal definition of the word success? Great question. And I get asked that a few times. And I think success is fulfillment. And what is fulfillment to me? It's happiness. If you're doing something that makes you happy, and joyful, then you are fulfilled. And to me, that's success. A lot of people think success is, you know, the title on your name or how much money you've made. I've been poor and I'm not trying to copy his thing. I've been rich. I've been lost. I've been found. I've been a big name. I've been a nobody. I was actually more happy when I had less than when I had a lot. That's a fact. And I tell people it's less stressful. There's less anxiety. There's less pressure, but I'm built for this but I was happier and less stressed when I didn't have much. And so I think success is finding happiness. It's finding joy. It's finding something that makes you fulfilled. I'm fulfilled in coaching people. I'm fulfilled in motivating people. I'm fulfilled in coaching football with kids. Like it brings me joy. I loved building companies, but it doesn't bring me happiness anymore. Yeah. PTSD, I'm done. And it was too stressful. 
And a lot of people like, well, you know, why don't you semi-retire or why don't you just spend more time with family? And look, I love my family and I spend, I've spent a good amount with them, but I don't believe in family and life balance. Like I'm a big believer of like, look, I make moments and memories count. I just talked about coaching my son's football. I take my kids to school every morning. I coach every one of their sports if they play. And I try to be home at dinner as, as many nights as I can, but I make them count. I make them come down and play cards. I make them come down and eat dinner where those moments are better than me just being home at three o'clock and not paying attention to them all night, which is what most people do. I try to make it moments and memories so they remember, but also I want to show them that you have to go out and work and conquer this, that you can't sit at home and do nothing. And so there's a lot of things there that, that I try to achieve with my family because they come first, right? It's, it's, it's God, it's family, it's, it's friends, it's peers, it's business. Um, but ultimately I just want to be able to share my knowledge and experiences because I'm, I'm no different than a lot of other people. My story may be different, but it's the same stuff you need. You're built of the same stuff to get through things like this. It's all relative, whatever your issue is, whatever your problem is, whatever thing you're going through, you just have to dig in deep to get through it. And, and then you, like I said, do battles equal blessings at the end. And my blessing now is all that experience. I mean, how many people do you know built four companies worth 10 million, one worth a billion, and then lost it and will come on the show and talk about it? Not many. That makes me unique. When I was meeting with Gary V's team to do speaking, they're like, well, what do you think makes you unique? I told them, they go, you're damn right. I ain't met nobody that's done that. And I said, well, that's me. That's what makes me different. So that, I'm, I'm, I'm piggybacking on that. I love it. So fulfillment and happiness. Well, by that definition, do you consider yourself to be a successful person? I think right now I am. Yes. I think there have been times in my life where I'm not. And I think that part of that is up and down in life. There are times that you are successful and times that you aren't. And you got to find a way to get back to that. I also rank my life based on good days versus bad days, whether it be relationship, whether it be business. When I, you know, I've been married a long time, 23 years and same woman, you know, and we've had our own issues and there were times that we questioned it. And during those times I would weigh out, or am I having more good days than bad days? And when I had more good days, things that, that's important. You have to, you have to be able to measure that. It's the same thing in whatever you're doing for your career. If it's bringing you happiness, if I'm having more good days doing this than bad days, I'm in the right spot. When I'm not, I need to move. I love it, man. Dude, it's, it's been an honor to talk to you and hear this story. I've heard bits and pieces of it, but to hear you just share all the ugly details of what happened. Um, I, I wish you continued success in this, in spite of the crap that you're dealing with now with the bankruptcy, with shutting down the company um, and losing that much money. I, I applaud you for staying confident through it because that fine line between confidence and arrogance I appreciate you staying confident through it. And I look forward to seeing what Jason Waller will do next. I think I love, I'm with you on the coaching thing. I get tons of fulfillment from doing that myself after building successful companies in the past, but thank you for being on the show. I'm going to yep. give you the last word today. I want you to talk to the entrepreneur who just listened to this show, just heard your story. What is your one, if you had to pick one piece of advice or all the things that you learn that this entrepreneur listening needs from you, what is that one piece that you would give? It's how to keep your confidence going, not to be broken. You can't let these battles break you. The moment they break you as an entrepreneur, people are, people are working for you because they believe in you. And the moment you show those people that you don't believe in yourself or that you're insecure in yourself or that you aren't confident of what's going to happen next, you're not going to keep those people around. So if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have got to bow up the chest and be super confident and be unbreakable.
I love it, man. Well, so you can uh, you can follow Jason on social media. You can reach out to him at Jason Waller Bam, and that's J A Y S O N W A L L E R B A M on Instagram. So that's Jason Waller Bam. He's also at JasonWaller.com. You can check him out there, read about his social, uh, what he's got going on, the social stuff, plus his coaching. You can check him out there. Anything else you want to leave before we sign off for today, Jason? Nope, that's it. I appreciate the time, man. I'm glad that we're able to talk about a lot of good things. I think that will help people out there to, you know, talking to a fellow coach that, that understands that you take this wisdom and this knowledge and share it and push it forward is so key. That's what we need in this country. We don't have enough of it. All right, man. Well, thanks for being on the show and Thank we'll you. talk again soon. Bye-bye. Wow. Well, there you have it. Another successful entrepreneur talking about his journey to success and now through, um, through a more difficult time in his life. But like we said at the beginning, and like he and I talked about throughout the show is that every adversity brings with it the seed of an equivalent benefit. And so somewhere in this, there's a benefit to him. There's a benefit to the people who lost their jobs. There's a benefit to the creditors who are not getting paid. There's a benefit even to um, to some people that you might not think are going to be stand to get a benefit out of this. That's just how the law of our universe works. There is an equivalent benefit. There's a seed of it. Now, the interesting thing about that word seed is it's the seed of an equivalent benefit. It doesn't show up and it's fully formed process, a fully formed uh, stature, like this tree outside the window that I'm looking at it took 20, 30 years to get to that point. But at one point there was a seed. So whatever you're going through right now as an entrepreneur there, if it's bad, there's a seed of an equivalent or greater benefit within it. And don't forget that. Keep your head up, keep confidence. If you, if you drop the pass, like you talked about coaching those kids football, if you drop the pass, you throw the pass wrong. Don't, you know, don't let that turn into lack of confidence. You've got to have confidence in your own abilities to move forward. I also want to make sure that you have seen this. If you haven't seen this, if you're watching on YouTube, this is my book, Exit Without Exiting. It's an international bestseller in several categories. It's about how to exit your business without selling it and begin living the exit lifestyle sooner than you ever thought possible. You can check it out at therealjasonduncan.com slash book. Thanks for tuning in this week on the Root of All Success. Please tune in again next time on a talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. And you never know what stories are going to pop up. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.